You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the March 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Uh, My name's Shane. I'll be our host today. And before we get into today's topic, I want to make everyone out there aware of some really cool things coming up this year at New Spring Church. Uh, The first thing I want to make sure that everybody knows about is a trip, a leadership-intensive trip that Perry will be leading to Israel. This trip will happen on uh, October 14th through the 21st of this year. If you've ever been in one of our leadership intensives, you know they're great. But if you've been in one, you don't want to write this off because this will be different because it'll be in Israel. If you haven't been to a leadership intensive, you need to get plugged into this one because it's going to take the leadership intensive training to a whole nother level uh, in Israel this year. Perry, what do our listeners need to know about that if they want to get plugged in? I'm really excited about this particular trip because um, this will be, by the time we go on this trip, it'll be my eighth trip to Israel. And I've never had a, a bad experience over there. The the food is great. Um, the it, it, I, You know, it's always been safe. Um and, and the price for this is eight eighteen hundred and ninety bucks. Now that does not include airfare, um, and so you'll have to get your own, you know, airplane over there. I mean, you try boat. I'm not sure that that would be very effective. But eighteen hundred and ninety bucks, and you can go. What's, what's the website on that? Are we sending people to unleash.cc? Unleash.cc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unleash.cc has all your information, and this thing is going to be awesome. Leadership taught. Um, at the place where most of the Bible happened. That, you, that's, a, that's, that's just going to be fun. Yeah, that's a win-win for sure. Uh, the next thing I want to make everybody out there aware of, April 1st, uh, Perry, you're releasing your, your next book, Overwhelmed. Uh, and uh, there's lots of information. If you want to pre-order the book, you can do that at Amazon.com or go to OverwhelmedBook.com and sign up for that. It's a uh, Perry. It's really where you share your story about overcoming anxiety, depression, and stress. And uh, I've read the book. The book is awesome. I know lots of people are starting to get pre-releases, and there's lots of buzz about it. So I want our listeners out there to log into that and get a copy of that book. Um, anything you want them to know about it? No, you know I wrote that book out of um, really my struggle with depression and fear and anxiety. And as church leaders, we deal with it, but it's going on in our churches. And instead of people, instead of telling people stop feeling that way, this is how to walk people through what they're going through. And so I had a lot of fun writing the book, but I feel like it's going to help a whole lot of people. I'm really, really excited about this one. Yeah, for sure. You want to get a copy of that ASAP. And the third thing I want to mention today is really going to lead us through the whole uh, podcast today, and that's the double conference. Uh, We've got a conference coming up about church growth, uh, August 28th and 29th of this year. Uh, You can go to doubleconference.com to get all the information you need uh, about this conference, or you can also get there from unleash.cc as well. But today, uh, Perry, uh, as we kind of highlight that conference, um, it's all about church growth. Yep. Uh, and so let me just ask you this to get going. Why is talking about church growth important? Well, there's a couple things that I think we've got to pay attention to. First of all, the population of the world is increasing. That means there's more and more and more babies being born. Second thing we got to pay attention to is church attendance. Regular church attendance is decreasing. Um, I know we have an international audience, but specifically speaking to the United States, church attendance in every major denomination, I believe, except for one or two, has been decreasing for years. Um, but 
The problem is, Shane, that most churches or organizations do not stop and address the problem until the money stops flowing in. When the money stops flowing in, that's when they go, oh, we've got a problem. But the the church, as I read the scriptures, and some people argue if it's prescriptive or descriptive, I think it's both. I think the church should grow. I don't I think it's time for churches to stop apologizing for trying to fulfill the, the Great Commission. You know what Jesus said? And too many, too many people um, go, well, the church growth movement. Well, I think the church movement is the church growth movement. And if your church isn't into church growth, then I don't think the church is into church the way Jesus wants us to be into church. I mean, at the end of the day, are we supposed to reach more people with the gospel? Yes or no? Yes. That means the church um, should grow. Now, some churches grow faster than others. Some churches grow slower. They're, one type of growth isn't better or one, you know, or worse. But the church is called to grow. Um, why you mentioned in there, every church should desire to grow. Why should every church uh, have a desire to grow? Well, I was I was thinking about this. Um, I I just um, read through all the gospels recently, and all four gospels pretty much end the same way. They kill Jesus, he rises from the dead, and he tells all of his followers to go tell everybody. And so the church movement started with a bunch of followers of Jesus that took him at his word. So I I was trying to think about it um, through the point of view of, of Jesus, and I'm not even saying I'm Jesus, but I'm like, okay, if I was Jesus, if I left heaven and went to earth, I spent 33 years among people identifying with who people would call outcasts and, you know, sinners. I gave my life for those people, you know, murdered in a very, you know, tortured and murdered. I stayed dead for three days, and then I came back to life. And through the resurrection, people have hope, people have peace, people can have joy, people can walk through their storms and their circumstances— yeah, I would want as many people as possible to know about that. I don't think Jesus Christ died on the cross so we could get into a room and obsess about ourselves and our own theological convictions or, or get focused on the writings of a bunch of dead white guys. I think Jesus called us to do everything possible to reach as many people. I mean, he died and he rose again. And there's hope in Christ. Why wouldn't the church want as many people as possible on the planet to hear that message? I would agree. Um, you know, there's let's say there's a church leader out there who agrees with everything you just said, but for whatever reason, at the, the situation they're in, uh, they may feel like their church can't grow. What would you say to encourage those church leaders that feel like they're just in a in a place where church growth isn't possible? Well, I would I would say three things, um, I think, Shane. I think, number one, I would say maybe your church isn't growing because you're not ready for it. And that's not a crack or um, any type of slap in the face. It's just as a leader, there's some things you've got to go through. There's some seasons you have to experience. Uh, I remember when the Israelites were going into the promised land, God said, I'm going to let you have it but I'm going to let you have it little by little because if you went through the land and you killed um, all the people, then the wild, the population of the wild animals would come and consume you. And so I'm not going to let you have it all at once. And so for you know the first two years really of our church, the first two and a half years, our church grew, um, but I wasn't ready for the 
growth. I had to go through some seasons as a as a leader. I had to learn some things. I had to learn some things about people. I had to learn some things about the Lord. I'm still learning things about people. Still learning things about the Lord. So I would say maybe your church isn't growing because as a leader, um, you're you're not ready. And and the thing to do in that season is just continue to press into the Lord. Let the Lord press into you and wait because His time is always the right time. Um, the second thing I would say is maybe your church isn't growing because um, you have a personnel issue. Maybe it's with some staff. Maybe it's with some volunteers. But there's a person or maybe there's a group that seems to kind of be holding back on the vision. They're, they're surrendered to what I would call, um, I, I had a friend say it like this, they're surrendered to the global will of God, but they aren't surrendered to the specific will of God. They think, yeah, I think God um, should reach people. I'm just not sure he should do it through this church. Mm-hmm. And those kind of people can always hold you back. Um, the, the th- So first, this could be your problem, sec- your issue, or you're not ready. Second is you got a group of people. Um, the third is maybe your church doesn't just doesn't know how to grow. Maybe uh, people don't know it's okay or that it should be expected to invite people to church. It's okay to share your faith. You know, we live in a society that champions um, people being silent around their about their religion, but Instagramming their food every night. And I just think that's a little backwards. I think that's that's a little messed up. And so I, I think those three things are usually the reasons why churches um, don't grow. People in the church have to own the idea um, one of our core values here at New Spring is found people, find people. And we have to own the idea that we're going to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. Uh, Perry, I would uh, imagine that you would say uh, for a church to grow, you've got to have some momentum swing in your direction. Uh, can a church create momentum to help it grow? Absolutely. I believe with all my heart that churches can create momentum. And I think we should create momentum. So ab- absolutely. I think the the idea of let go, let God is, it sounds really good until you try to figure out what the heck it means. And what, I mean, I've heard church leaders say that. Sometimes you need to let go and let God. I'm like, no, you're the leader. If you let go, nobody's steering the car. You're going to crash. So yeah, there are, there are times, I believe, where the church can create times of momentum. Why don't you share a couple of those ways that come to mind that uh, can, that someone can actually create momentum? Well, one of the things I discovered, and this was like two years in, is I would preach a salvation message, and I knew I was going to preach that salvation message, and we would have people you know, respond, we'd have people get saved, but every time after one of those messages, I would have somebody in the church come up to me and say, you know, Perry, I really wish I would have known you were going to preach on that today because I've got a friend or I've got a family member and I would have loved to have brought them so they could hear that message. And so after about the third time that happened, I started thinking, well, maybe I should do a message one week and the basic goal of that message is tell people in the message, next week I'm going to preach a salvation message. And I think you should invite your friends and your family members that don't know Christ. And so we did that. And the next week, not only was our attendance up, but the number of people that received Christ in that particular service was triple the number of people that had received Christ ever in any service we'd ever done. So I was like, oh, well, there's a, 
There's a momentum thing. That is a great thing. We really can tell people in our church, it's okay to invite people to church, and when they do, they'll meet Christ. And then when people see that happen right in front of their eyes, they'll be motivated to do it. I think um, Christmas is a, a natural momentum maker. Um, you can put together great Christmas services. I think Easter is a natural momentum maker. Uh, another one, Shane, that's real good that a lot of churches will miss if they're not careful is Mother's Day. Mother's Day is huge. Um, finally, for us, Father's Day is huge, but last year on Father's Day, we gave away a Harley, and so that, that kind of kind of added to that. Didn't one. hurt. No, it didn't hurt. I've enjoyed winning that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. The third week in August, the third week in August is a momentum maker. In other words, um, on that week, at, usually the kids are going back to school, colleges have started, everybody's back in the swing of things, and so if we'll take Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day... Um, third week in August, and do some really creative things that engage people where they are, it really can add momentum to our churches. Uh, Perry, you mentioned several things here that that, uh, would put church leaders either in a place where they feel like they can't create momentum, either they're not ready, you know, personnel issues, um, and then you've mentioned maybe some ways to spur momentum. If uh, if you were talking to any of the pastors out there one-on-one, what would be the first step you would give to them to take uh, if they wanted to see their church grow? The hardest thing for a pastor to really, or church leader, to wrap their mind around is if you intend on growing a church, if you really do want to grow a church, you're going to lose people over it. Um, And so, and a friend of mine said this one time, Shane, and I, I forgot who said it, but it's so true. If you need people, you can't lead people. And that is a concept that I've learned. If your church grows, you're going to lose people. And the, the thing about it is you're going to lose people who say they have a spiritual um, reason. I, I remember people coming up to me going, well, Perry, you're changing. And I remember thinking, I think that's a good thing. I think I'm supposed to change. Um, but th- what they were saying is, you know, you don't come to my house for dinner anymore, or I can't call you at the last minute and come over to your house or whatever. And yeah, I mean, part of me as a pastor, I miss those moments, but part of me, you know, as the church was growing, I had to change some things in my life that made my wife a priority and some key friendships a priority. And so I wasn't able to do as much as I was doing. You're going to have people, um, you're going to have people accuse you of just being all about the numbers. And that, I own that here at New Spring Church. We are about the numbers. I think Jesus is about the numbers. I think Jesus wants more numbers of people in heaven. At the end of the day, I ask people all the time, uh, who, <laughs> who gets upset that more people are in church and more people receive Christ? Would it be Satan or Jesus? So, and, and we celebrate those numbers. We celebrate them unapologetically. Nearly every Sunday night, I'll Instagram or I'll tweet or I'll Facebook some numbers, you know, eight people receive Christ at New Spring today, or four people, or 805 people, and I've, I've actually received some pushback from church leaders on that, and they'll say, well, you know, Perry, I follow you. Why do you tweet the numbers all the time? And I'm like, well, why do you tweet pictures of your daughter at a beauty contest every, you know, 40 times on a Saturday? I mean, why can you tweet, why is it okay for you to tweet pictures of a famous person that you met but you don't know? Why is it okay to tweet pictures of your tacos at Taco Bell, but it's not okay for me to tweet or celebrate what Jesus is doing in the lives and the hearts of people who are meeting him? 
That's what I think we're going to be called to celebrate. But as a church leader, you've got to be ready to receive that criticism. I remember one time, Shane, in a church, the very first church I served, when I preached um, a message on a Sunday night and talking about evangelism, how we're going to reach this city for Christ. And one of the matriarchs in the church came up to me and she, I remember this conversation. She said, I don't think you realize how this works around here. And I was like, what do you mean how this works around here? And she said, well, we don't want to reach anybody else. We're, we're pretty happy with the way things are. This is a place where everybody knows everybody. I, by the way, I went out, I went on later on to figure, find out that that's not true. Everybody doesn't know everybody in any church unless you have like 10 people coming. Um, but I remember thinking, my gosh, if this church is ever going to grow, she's one of the matriarchs. She's one of the leaders here and she would probably leave. Like she'd probably get upset over it. So church leaders have to be willing and able to let people go if they're going to grow. That's really good. It sounds like, uh, the leader's got to obviously set the pace and shift his or her focus from keeping people to reaching people. And then you said, celebrate what you want to see repeated. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great first step. Uh, let me ask you this question. Do church facilities impact uh, a church's ability to grow? Yes and no. Um, I know we got a lot of church planners that listen to this and a lot of um, people doing church in portable facilities. And uh, over half of our campuses actually are portable. Mm -hmm. And so that's a world I understand very well. And so I've had people tell me, well, we're portable. So because we're portable, we cannot grow. And I would actually argue if you're not growing when you're portable, you're not probably not going to grow when you're permanent. I've seen too many times people point to a building as a solution. But, you know, that, that they built the temple in the Old Testament. And, man, that thing was awesome. And I think we should build great buildings. But they didn't build the temple until, I mean, basically the, the children of Israel were portable for about 40 years, right? They had portable church. Yep. They'd set it up and tear it down and try to get everything put back together. And there's screens put up and, the, you know, the worship band was out of tune or whatever. And so they're, they're portable for 40 years. And so I would say that if you're portable, don't use your facility as an excuse for not being able to grow. We, we grew um, in a portable um, facility. And listen, it's not easy. But I promise you there are as many challenges with a permanent facility, if not more, than there is with a portable facility. And so um, I would say don't use that as an excuse. I would also say, and Shane, I heard this when we first started, and I didn't believe it until we really started looking at the numbers pretty hard over the past year. But once you're 80% full in a church, you're full. Um, doesn't matter if you've got an auditorium that'll seat 100 or 10,000. Once you're 80% full, you're full. Most people don't love sitting in long you know, lines. They don't love crowded places. They love to have the seat next to them empty. And so once you get about 80% capacity, if you don't start another service, and I, I've actually told the church leaders, and I remember we struggled through, through this where I've said, you need to start another service because this service is packed. Nobody else can come. And what they say to me is, well, what we have special and I don't want to lose it. But I know that's pastor talk for, I actually enjoy preaching to a crowded room. Mm -hmm. And so a pastor has to give up his or her desire to preach to a crowded room and actually want to reach people more. 
you know, we have several services here at, at our church, even now, that are not at capacity. But you have to walk out there as the pastor. You have to own the energy. You have to lead the people. Um, but once you get 80% full, you're full. So, yeah, facilities do matter. That's good. I love the way you said that, too, that buildings really just end up amplifying whatever really is going on. It's not. A, it doesn't solve your problem. Mm-hmm. If you're growing, it'll accentuate your growth. If you're not growing, it'll just make things more difficult, potentially. Yeah, that would be equivalent to saying, well, hey, me and my boyfriend or girlfriend are dating, and we're having lots of issues, and we're always fighting and cussing each other out, but we're going to get married, and that'll solve it. Yeah. Um, that's what saying that a building will do to solve your, your uh, portable church problems. What are uh, some other factors that uh, impact church growth? I'm thinking specifically maybe the quality of ministries, maybe the number of ministries. What are some things that do's and don'ts in in that area that also impact church growth? Yeah, I think a lot of terminology can get kind of wanky when you get into this world. Uh, I remember I said about three or four years ago, if you'll remember, I used to make fun of the term, and still do, by the way, missional. Um, basically churches said that they were missional um, to excuse the fact that they weren't growing, but they needed to feel better about that. So they would say, we're a missional church. And I'm like, well, if you're a missional church, then you wouldn't have to tell people you're a missional church. So I think some of the language that we use can prohibit. Like if you say, we're a fundamentalist, fire-baptized, missional, five-point Calvinist, ESV-believing church. Well, okay, you just isolated 99.9% of the world. And the other 0.1% of the world that you would pull in with that label is weird. So I would, I would say that's a, that's a major factor. I would say the other thing that church leaders, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but it's true. When you plant a church, when you start a church, you're going to attract every hurt church person within a 50-mile radius. And they're going to come to you and tell you their bad church story. And I would say some of them are true, and some of them in three months are going to be at another church telling people about you, and you're going to be their bad church story. So you've got to be really careful as to who you can trust and who you can't trust. Um, I think children's ministry, Shane, is a major, major factor because what I've discovered is families um, that don't have a good children's ministry, they're not coming back to your, they're not coming back to your church. Uh, that children's ministry matters. And I've had people ask me, which would you start first, a children's ministry or student ministry? I would absolutely start a children's ministry first um, because children's ministry is essential to Sundays if you're going to do Sunday well. Um, I would say uh, seasons are can uh, prohibit church growth like summer, June and July. I've had so many pastors call me in June and July, and they're depressed. And I'll tell them, listen, Jesus Christ himself could preach at your church in June and July and people would say, I've read the book. I'm not, I don't have to go listen to them. I mean, June and July is a hard time to really um, reach a lot of people. Now, Craig Rochelle's turned that thing around with God at the Movies. They do God at the Movies every year, and the entire state of Oklahoma and Texas, I think, comes to one of their campuses. They've got eight, I think they're starting a campus on the moon next month. But um, those, are some, those are some factors. And I think the other factor that really does prohibit church growth, and this will be fun, can't wait to see the emails on this, is pastors spend a lot of time answering questions that nobody's really asking. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be honest with you, man. I've never met a lost person that has asked me about, you know, hey, man, how do you feel? How do you feel about what Spurgeon said? Well, I love Spurgeon, but lost people aren't talking about him. 
Um, I, hey, how do you feel about Calvin? Um, it, most lost people are thinking Calvin and Hobbes. They're not thinking, <laughs> you know, John Calvin. We're answering questions about the historical accuracy of the Ark of the Covenant and how much gold was used in it. And people are showing up at our churches going, my marriage is bad. My kid's losing his mind. I don't make enough money. And so we've discovered, and we've taken some hits for this. It's kind of funny. I love it. That felt needs preaching works. Mm -hmm. That Jesus Christ, all through the Gospels, met people where they were and then brought them to where they needed to be. He never stood up on a platform and said, I'm up here, you fools need to work real hard to get to me. The Bible says he humbled himself and came down to earth. And I think one of the reasons a lot of churches aren't experiencing growth is because church leaders aren't willing to humble themselves and actually meet people where they are. We spend way too much time on Sundays trying to impress people with our theological information rather than help them by showing them practical application. And um, I think when people leave a church service, they've got two options. They can either say, number one, my pastor's really smart, or which usually means I didn't understand a thing that they said, or number two, I understand that and I think I have a next step to take. Mm. And so those are just some limiting factors in church growth. That's good. Well, obviously church growth is something uh, that you're passionate about. And it's also obvious that it's multiple, multiple layers and multiple, multiple things that a church leader needs to focus on to help his church grow. And so that kind of takes us to this conference we're going to do this fall called the Double Conference. So why don't you start by telling telling our listeners why you felt compelled to, to have us do this conference, and then we'll get into some specifics. Yeah, I wanted to do this conference because um, I was sitting around talking with some friends one day, and I was like, you know, I want to help churches. I want to help churches grow. And so we started talking about helping churches setting numeric goals and like, you know, we want so many churches to break 500, so many churches to break 1,000. And I thought that was a good idea, but there's, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that maybe can't relate to that. So I started thinking about um, what, what it was like when I led New Spring and we had 100 people. And if there had been a conference that said, hey, you got 100 people, I'm going to tell you how you can begin to reach and effectively minister to 200 people. And that would have... That, that would have interested me significantly. If, if when we were running 500, if somebody would have said, we're going to show you how to reach 1,000, well, I want to learn how to do that. If we're reaching 2,000, I'm going to show you how to reach 4,000. Um, I really do think that most churches are about two or three major decisions away from doubling in size. And I think any church can double. Um, it's going to be harder for some churches than others. I think churches, once again, should want to double. I don't think it's a sin to want more people to come to your church. People say, well, pastors are egomaniacs. I'm like, no, it's not that they're, you're the egomaniac because you don't want other people coming into your church, so your pastor has to give them more attention, and he can't always come over and eat your wife's horrible cooking and have your dog sniffing his rear end for the first five minutes he's in your house. I, that's, anyway, don't, I could <laughs> go down that, but I'm, I want to help churches, we want to help churches know how they can take practical steps to reach more people with the gospel. That's the, that's the entire premise behind this conference. I love it. Well, tell tell them, uh, tell listeners what they'll experience if they decide to come. Well, it's our first two-day conference. It's the first, normally we have a one-day deal here, but it's a two-day conference. It's August 28th and 29th. Um, the early bird registration is 89 bucks. Now, for 89 bucks. You get like we're we're providing lunch both days. Um, one day is going to be Christian chicken, of course, and the next day we're not sure. We're kind of talking about that, but Christian chicken is Chick Fil A, by the way, for those of you all that m might not have picked that up. 
Um, but it's it's going to be a it's going to be a fun conference. But we we decided, hey, let's let's really strip everything away. And so, it if your church has a hundred people, or if your church has a thousand people, you're going to walk away, I think, with some practical insight. We've got um, we're going to do breakouts for kids. We're going to do breakouts for students. Um, one of the number one questions is how do we how do you get and recruit amazing volunteers? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about should your church do multi-site or not, and if you do, what's a good multi-site strategy? Um, we're going to talk about how to market your church for free. I've had a lot of people say, well, we don't have a lot of money to market our church. We don't have to. We're going to show you how you can get the word out about your church for absolutely free and reach more people than you ever thought you could imagine. I mean, the, the breakouts, and usually at a conference, the breakouts are what some people don't get excited about. I mean, they're like, well, we're skipping all the breakouts. But these breakouts are going to be so awesome, so practical, and so um, applicable that I and because some of well, some of these breakouts we're doing them more than once, and you know like one here's one how to create a vision based budget. Now you as a leader might not have gotten excited about that, but you need somebody on your staff to be excited about that and actually be in that breakout. It's going to be awesome. Well, it's going to be that, and Perry, if we we took any more time to cover every single thing, we'd do the two-day conference right here. So we're just trying to hit the tip of the iceberg, and want you guys to know that you can go to doubleconference.com to get all that information. Like Perry said, the early bird rate is $89 a person, or if you got a group of 10 or more, it's $59 a person, and that price will go up as we get closer to time, but we'll probably sell this thing out before then. So get signed up quick for that. Uh, and as we sign off today, period, just again, I'll give you a chance. Any final thoughts to share with our listeners about church growth, the double conference, or anything else? Yeah, as far as church growth, I would just encourage leaders, never apologize for wanting your church to grow. Never apologize for trying to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not a sin to want to see more people go to heaven and less people go to hell. And the person or the people that would make you feel guilty for that are not moved by Jesus. They're moved by the devil. And that can fall where it needs to fall. Um, the second thing I would tell you is this conference is going to fill up. There's about 2,000 spots available. And in the past, what we've done, and a lot of people are like, hey, I know, the, I know what New Spring does. They Because we used to do the Unleashed Conference, and when it would fill up, we would open up the Fuse Building and have an overflow um, rate. We're not going to do that at this conference. Once these seats are gone, they're gone. And we've priced it at 89 bucks. We've priced it low because we want churches to bring as many staff and volunteers as possible. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you'll get your staff and volunteers at this conference, our goal and our desire will be to inspire people, but also to inform people. And that you'll walk out of here after two days a better church leader, knowing what those two to three churches are decisions are in your church in order to help you double in size. Sounds great. Well, thanks everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you next month.